The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The number one contender to yes. the AEW World Tag Team Championship. That's what's left of my pickle. Yeah, so your pickle. Sorry. Congratulations on a great match tonight. Thank you very much. And uh, Chris Jericho, of course, part of the very first Full Gear and part of a great match tonight here at Full Gear. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And I wanted to do a show this week just by myself, um, talking about the crazy world wild week I had. Just last week actually started on um, November 12th uh, when I had the match against Takeshita, Kanosuke Takeshita at DDT Pro at the Tokyo Sumo Arena um, in Japan. And then Wednesday, which was November 15th, I think it was, when we did the uh, Like a Dragon, uh, Man with No Name Street Fight, where we were the, uh, the Golden Dragons of Dojima uh, for Dynamite in Ontario, California, November 15th. And then, of course, November 18th, when we did the full gear match at the Forum in Los Angeles, Golden Jets, myself and Kenny versus uh, Matt and Nick, Jackson the Bucks, and it was just a really crazy week of three matches, all of which were given four and a quarter stars by Dave Meltzer, which I think were all underscored by all of them, and we'll talk about that, obviously. I liked all three of them. I thought all three of them were... I thought the Takeshita match might have been the best match I've had all year besides the Will Ospreay match, just for me. And we'll talk about all that and just talk about kind of all the circumstances behind it. And it's funny because back, you know, in WWE days... I'd be doing four matches a week or five matches a week. It's been a while since I did three matches in one week uh, from Japan to California, but all three of them were really hard-hitting, uh, very cool matches, great matches in my opinion, and all of them very, very different as well. So um, we'll start off with the Ultimate Party, which was the first time I'd ever wrestled for DDT Pro in Japan, and it was my first trip to Japan. I called them tours. Since January of 2020, when I went to the Tokyo Dome and headlined the Tokyo Dome, co-headlined the Tokyo Dome with, uh, with, with Tanahashi, and I hadn't been back since. I had so much momentum with New Japan from 2018 with Kenny, co-headlining the Tokyo Dome, 2019 with Naito, co-headlining the Tokyo Dome, 2020 with Tanahashi, co-headlining the Tokyo Dome. 
and then the lockdown came and everything was kind of shut down. And there was plans for two or three other kind of main event Tokyo Dome matches in that in that in the in that meantime. You know, afterwards there was talks about doing Osprey, which we of course have done at Wembley. Uh, there was talks with Kota Abushi, who was our tag team partner for the Like a Dragon Street fight, and then of course Minoru uh, Suzuki. And much like Suzuki, the Takeshita match, I didn't want to just do it on Dynamite. Not that Dynamite's not huge and amazing, but I really felt like it was a match that was tailor-made and structured for Japan, which is why um, I really wanted to have this match with Takeshita in Japan. And, you know, working with New Japan for as long as I did and then having the lockdown, uh, once again, saying after the Tana match in 2020, it kind of killed all my momentum there, which was a drag because I had a lot of steam. We were drawing a lot of people, I think, uh, at the Tokyo Dome in 2020. They did two shows uh, that year, and I think there was a combination of like 70,000 tickets sold between the two. And then lockdown came and kind of changed the whole business. So New Japan is still restructuring their company and restructuring their business. And it just really seemed right to go to DDT because... At this point in time, wrestling matches are going to Japan just to go. I don't have to do that. You know, I, I want to go for a reason. And I just really like the concept of working with Takeshita and really doing it in Japan. So, and I was asked if I wanted to work for DDT and Takeshita um, earlier in the year. I remember we were in San Francisco at the Cow Palace. So that was probably February. And I think they wanted me to come in July. But my family and I already had plans to go to Italy at that point in time. And they said, well, how about the ultimate party for November 2nd, uh, 2023, which at the time seemed like, you know, well, it was nine months away. And now that it's all said and done, I can say that I really enjoyed working for DDT. Anytime you go for a new company and you never know what it's going to be like. Obviously, I've worked for New Japan quite a bit. I think I did 10 shows for New Japan from 2017, uh, end of 2017, the beginning of 2020. So, so to go to, to DDT was a little bit different, a little bit of a challenge, shall we say. Um, but we set up the, the match, I think, very properly. I remember backstage at Arthur Ashe, I did the promo where I challenged Takeshita, took one of his 8x10s and ripped it in half, which is an exact same thing I did to Kenny to challenge him for the Tokyo Dome back in 2017. So it's kind of a, re, a re, uh, establishing of that gimmick sort of thing. And that aired at Corican Hall after Takeshita had a big match, uh, and he accepted the challenge. So I'll say this for, for DDT. We did a lot of promotion a lot of promotion for the show. Um, there was a lot of press conferences via Zoom, a lot of interviews. I did a press conference before the match, which we'll talk about. I did a press conference after the match. And there was a lot of real steam for this for this match in DDT. And we'll find out just how much steam there is because you could actually watch watch it at Wrestle Universe, which was a streaming service, as well as, as the people in Tokyo. I think when, we, when they first announced my match, there was like 1,000 tickets sold. And we ended up with about, I think, 4,800 people in the Ryogoku, which is pretty good. It holds about six. I used to work there all the time. Uh, it was the big shows for WAR with Tenru. I remember being there where the place was more filled, and I remember where the place was less filled. Same with WWE. We wrestled many, many times at Ryogoku Sumo Arena. There's a lot of times when that lower bowl wasn't filled and other times when the whole place was packed. So I think it did a pretty good chunk of business there. Um... So, yeah, it was really exciting to go back to Japan and, like I mentioned, kind of flying there and getting ready for uh, this match and getting kind of, uh, you know, there's a whole new group of people. Michael Nakazawa kind of helped broker the deal along with Barry Bloom, my uh, my trusted manager. And I got to Japan, and um, the, the first day I was there, uh, we had a press conference, which was really cool because Matt Cardona was there. Matt Cardona was wrestling Mao for uh, one of the titles. 
and they did uh, the press conference is like in a really nice hotel in Tokyo called the uh, Hotel Prince, I believe it was called, and they uh, you know started this press conference and it's very kind of ritzy and it's a very nice hotel with nice furniture. And of course, Cardona and Mal get out there and they start a big brawl. They start fighting all over the place. And that's what Takesh done. I was like, we don't need to be fighting. They've already done that. So let's just do kind of more of an actual press conference. They make it like a real fight feel. And Pat Patterson taught me a long time ago, once the match is actually made, there's no reason to fight because you know that you already are going to be you know, having the match. So it's almost like boxing when they do the press conference and the guys kind of line up and they're face to face and there's no real physical confrontation, but the, the tension is there and the, and the uh, focus is there. And that's what we did for our press conference. And, and you know, Takesha said a bunch of things and then uh, he called me an asshole. And then I kind of talked to him face to face and didn't say into the mic. And then I said to the, to the press, you know, cause the place was packed with press and fans. So I think about Japan, it's great to be back there where people still buy into everything and, and play along if nothing else. And I said, you know what? I just said to Takesha is between me and him. No one else needs to hear it. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat him. You know, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world today, but he's not at Chris Jericho's level cause he's not, you know, the goat or whatever the hell I said. And then I flipped over the chairs and the table, which you can see uh, on my Instagram, and kind of really, you know, made a scene, made a spectacle, had a, almost a temper tantrum, if you will. And, you know, the people love that there. And then I walk through the crowd and they run away. And, you know, they still really buy into the fact that this American is a psycho. You know, and I didn't do it by yelling and screaming. I just did it with some, you know, some emotions and some actions and some destroying of a few things. <laughs> Which was very cool, but uh, that was a great way to kind of, you know, kick off the interest in this match because DDT has a lot of different types of wrestling styles, which we'll talk about. And I think that uh, the Takesh to Jericho match was very serious, almost like a you know a New Japan style match where there's a lot of uh, dipsy doodles in between, which we'll talk about as well. Um, you know, uh, and so that was kind of the setup for the match. Uh, day of the match, you know, you get ready to go and get ready to rock it. You know, I had some Korean barbecue the night before. I went to Nobu in Tokyo, which is one of my favorite spots. And um, so get ready for the match. And then, you know, I'm there fairly early. And, you know, it's it's old school Ryogoku. And, and it's cool because the arena is set up. It's a sumo arena, literally. So there's a lot of kind of sumo boxes where people sit four to a box, you know, and they sit on the floor. It's very old school. So getting there early was cool. You kind of, you know, stake out your territory and then putting together the match with Takeshita, which was great because we have similar ways of thinking. And he's a great, great wrestler and very, very uh, accomplished and polished for a guy his age. And, um, you know, got really excited about that. And, of course, everyone wants to say hi, which is cool. All the Tokyo Joshi want to say to Chris Jericho, Fuji, And I saw Yoshitatsu, who used to work for WWE, who I hadn't seen in a while. And, Lots of respect. Uh, uh, Jun Akiyama came to say hello, which was cool. And Odie Kingston would love that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
so just start watching the card and it's a very mixed bag you know there's a lot of uh women wrestling which was great and then there's some royal rumble type stuff but the ones that really got to me is there was the one right before ours which is hiromu uh who's a new japan guy i'm a big fan of his he defended the iron man heavy metal weight championship against uh, kazuka hirata it was a special multiple stipulation match and um these matches were like decided by a spinning wheel, like wheel of fortune. So um, whatever the thing landed on, the guys would have to do. And some of the stipulations was a musical death match, uh, a handicap match with uh, Takahashi Hiromu teamed up with Yoshihiko, who is the blow up doll. And this is the blow up doll that Kenny Omega had a match with, you know, the proverbial, Oh, he could have a match with a broomstick, well, not a broomstick, but a, but a blow-up doll, an inanimate blow-up doll. These guys are having matches with them and doing spots with them, which was hilarious. Uh, then they had two dancing contests. They had a, a, bl- a blindfold bra match, which was amazing. We had to take off the guy's blindfold or his bra. And one of the spots they did was, like, blindfold matches are always kind of stilted and stupid. These guys did one of the best spots I've ever seen for a blindfold match ever, where they were, like, anticipating drop-kicking the air and, like, chopping the air and they were completely facing different directions it was really great it was really genius uh, stuff so i uh, really uh, enjoyed that one but it was very strange uh lots of weird pins and crazy stuff and you know there was a lot of just interesting um guys there's a guy called endo there who was very good uh, but there was lots of other guys there was one guy who was just uh focused on taking off his jacket the whole time, which is something you have to see. There's another guy who was wearing like underwear the whole time, like a G-string. So a lot of kind of just uh, yayo gak, shall we say. Um, and the match before us was Mao defeated Matt Cardona to win the DDT Universal Championship. Uh, and they also had kind of a no DQ thing, but Yoshihiko, who's one of the most popular uh, performers in the company, which is, of course, that blow-up doll, uh, was in full play there as well. So, uh, anyways, it was a very entertaining show. And then, of course, here comes Takeshita and Jericho, which is the exact opposite, very serious. And the cool thing was when I came to the ring, it was the first time ever in Japan. It's been almost 60 times or something like that. People were singing Judas, which was great. And that's one thing I've always noticed with Japanese fans is they want to see the American experience. So they don't want it translated. And if Judas is playing, they want to sing it themselves. And they did. It was really cool to have the arena singing Judas which was cool. And I think I was kind of slotted to be the heel, but after being in Japan so many times and basically growing up there, my first tour was in 91, as we've documented here on Talk is Jericho many times. It was almost like I was the conquering hero returning, you know? Uh, So it was very much kind of a babyface, babyface match, very hard hitting. I really enjoyed this match. Like I said, it was one of my favorites that I've had all year. Um, never working Takeshita in a singles match. It was the first time we'd ever locked horns. I mean, we've had a, a couple tag team matches uh, a few times over the last year, six man or whatever it was. But but the 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 one on one was the real secret, and hard hitting. Um, there were some great moves in there, some great false finishes in there. Takeshita is very strong. He gave me a blue thunder bomb off the top rope, which everybody asked me about from Jay White to Trent Beretta to, you know, Brian Alvarez, a lot of, are you okay? Are you okay? And it was like, you know, it was a hard bump to take. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but, um, but you know, you, you soldier through it and then it ended up with Takeshi hitting with a couple exposed knees. And then finally I grabbed him, put him in the walls and tapped him out. And everybody was very surprised, which, you know, this is a story that we're doing. I, it was the best way to do it was for me to win right out of the gate. Is it the last match Takeshi and I are going to have? Of course not. 
Was it a great way to kind of reestablish myself in Japan, establish myself in DDT? Absolutely. It was the right way to go. And um, once again, nobody loses when you have a match like that. I think it was just a, a great contest all across the board. And just, I mean, Takeshita gave me a brain buster on the floor, which was insane. And just a lot of really, really cool spots and moments and lots of great coverage. And I busted out a few things that I hadn't done in a while. A, a plancher from the top rope to the floor. I mean, I haven't done that in years. You know, and, and just some of these big bumps that we took. And it just really was a fun, fun match. And I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it was one of my favorite trips to Japan uh, that I've ever had. One of my favorite matches of the year. One of my favorite matches in Japan. It was just great to come back and kind of, like I said, be a part of that. And afterwards, you know, you just feel so good. And there's nothing better than having a great match. There's nothing worse than having a bad match. Nothing better than having a great match. And afterwards, we went for an after party in Shibuya and kind of had this great overview of the city. And the next day, did another press conference where... You know, now they're talking about who else would you like to face in the future. And it's just very well done and very high class and high tech. And I really hope that uh, DDT Pro got a lot of steam from this. I hung out at uh, Super Potato in Akihabara, which is a favorite place of mine. And um, once again, had some Korean barbecue. We went to Tokyo Disneyland, which was a blast. Thanks to DDT for that. And then um, finally, the last day, just kind of killing time, I went to the Tokyo... Uh, Shibuya Tower Records where I used to hang out all the time in the 90s when I was working for Tenor. I used to spend so much money there and um, didn't spend a lot of money there but it was really cool. All over the place there was a huge DDT uh, display of like big cutouts of the guys and um, t-shirts and merch and I was like well DDT has a nice little stop here at the Shibuya Tower Records, which usually might be New Japan, but it was kind of cool to see DDT making inroads. So will I go back to DDT? Maybe, you know what I mean? Like I said, it depends what the match is and the circumstances. Uh, I always loved Japan. I had a great time. There was a great Rolling Stones store, um, which once again, if you see my Instagram, you can see the picture that was taken for that. So it was just cool to be back in Japan and experiencing all of these great moments and all of these great tours. And my Dogs are loving it, too, if you can hear them in the background. And most importantly, I have a great match with Takeshita and have a really great time with the DDT Pro. So once again, thank you to DDT, to Takahashi, and um, Mr. Takagi. He's kind of the owner of the group. And then, of course, thanks to Takeshita for orchestrating it and making sure everybody was cool. Got to meet his mom, which is nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a great time was had by all. And Domino uh, Gatakosemas to uh, DDT Pro and it was great to go back to Japan again and just be a part of all the wackiness there. So that was uh, night one of Chris Jericho's World Wild, Wild Week and uh, after that flew back to LA, got there on Tuesday afternoon, went and saw the uh, premiere of Eli Ross Thanksgiving on Thursday evening, which all of you need to see. And then Wednesday, because it's West Coast time and Dynamite starts at 5 at 11 o'clock, I'm at, in Ontario at the Toyota Arena getting ready for the Like a Dragon street fight, which was a whole nother type of match. And one last thing about Takeshita is that, that we're talking about the stars. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter. Said it probably hurt a quarter star, half a star by the lack of crowd miking. How is the crowd miking my responsibility? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was matches that got five stars that happened during the pandemic when there was no crowd. So um, I think four and a quarter was low. I would have given it four and a half, four and three quarters, maybe even five for me, for me. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to check it out. Takeshi vs. Jericho was great. I plan to do many, many more. And we'll be right back with uh, another great match with the Like a Dragon Street Fight 
from Dynamite right here on Talk is Jericho. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we continue Chris's World Wild Week of Wrestling here on Talk is Jericho. Uh, November 15th, right after returning from Japan and DDT Pro and the awesome match against Konosuke Takeshita. We get ready for the Like a Dragon Street Fight. And the uh, game is called Like a Dragon Gaidon, the man who erased his name. Now, Tony Khan had called me a few weeks prior to tell me that Sega was sponsoring this uh, huge street fight. We've done it before with, I think, the uh, Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre street fight. And Sega wanted to do the same with the Like a Dragon Gaidon. And we had planned kind of a Los Angeles, Hollywood back, uh, back street brawl for the pay-per-view for Full Gear. And Tony was like, oh, we can't do two street fights in a row. And this like a Gaidon match is, uh, you know, it's very lucrative and it's, they have a real theme of what they want to do with it. So instead of having two street fights in a row, why don't we do uh, the Golden Jets versus the Young Bucks for the number one contendership on Full Gear? kind of a, a banger wrestling match, which it was. We'll talk about that. And do the Like a Dragon Street fight on Dynamite. And I was good with that. And the idea at first was to be Coda, Jericho, Kenny, and maybe somebody that would turn to join us. I don't want to spoil that now. A former partner of mine who we were going to bring over to the good side. And that would be, of course, against the Don Callis family, which would be Takeshita, Hobbs, Fletcher, and Sammy Guevara. And then I thought after the Hobbs thing where he basically squashed me for seven minutes and beat the hell out of me, I thought, oh, if you get beat up on a playground, what are you going to do? You know, try and avenge your loss yourself. You bring in your little buddy Schlossky or do you bring in like the biggest guy, you know, your big brother or like, you know, like my bodyguard, that 1983 classic with Chris Makepeace, also the star of Vamp. Quack. And um, I just thought if Hobbs is so big and so bad, who can I bring in that's on the roster under contract that we haven't done much with? And that would be Paul White. You know, and I love people who are like, oh, it's Paul White, Paul, da, da, da. it was a one shot thing for Paul to come back, be the big man who's bigger than Hobbs. And then, you know, he has other ideas of things he wants to do. And I just thought it was perfect. So it really worked out great to have the match of, of the Golden Jets, Kenny and Jericho and Kota Ibushi and Paul White against Don Callis' family, and Sammy's still not cleared from his concussion. We're hoping he's able to come back soon. But in the meantime and in between time, we had some ideas, maybe try and get Zack Sabre or Jeff Cobb or Minoru Suzuki. And, of course, we decided on Brian Cage, which was, I think, the best choice. And then get ready for this this street fight. Well, the thing is, it's not just a normal street fight. I had a great kind of no-TQ falls kind of anywhere street fight with Roddy Strong earlier in the year. Uh, and this was not that, because this was the, the Like a Dragon, which is, is very much a certain video game of like a Japanese downtown street, almost like a Blade Runner, almost like the cover of the Boombox record from Fozzie. 
And you know, there's guys wearing suits because that would be the Yakuza, which way, which may or may not exist. And of course, there's bicycles and there's street signs and there's bottles and there's crates and there's like all these different things that you saw, all the props that you saw in that match. If you're not a fan of the, of the Like a Dragon video game, you wouldn't get it. If you are, it all fits perfectly as to what it is that, that we were going for and wanting to do with that match. So Kenny kind of orchestrated that. And during the week, we spoke about what props are necessary and what they should be doing. And I kind of had the idea of all of us wearing Yakuza suits. And then Kenny's like, well, no, not all of us can wear it because he has to wear a certain outfit for Sega. And I thought, well, then Show and I can wear the Yakuza suits, kind of like the Blues Brothers type of a thing. And those guys were all dressed up as well. I mean, Takeshita was dressed up as a video game character, and Brian Cage was dressed up as a video game character. So we're all kind of in this video game mode, which is cool because that's the way we kind of wanted to uh, do the match, like kind of Easter eggs for video game players. And I mean, Takeshita, he was called Goru Majima, and then we were called the Golden Dragons of Dojima, which was really cool. And we wanted to uh, kind of do an entrance almost like Reservoir Dogs, where... You know, we would walk in slowly with the suits, which I really loved. And it happened to be raining, so it almost looked like some black rain type rain on the ground, which was kind of cool. Uh, I wanted to put some of that kind of mid-70s funk, but then we had the idea of putting some of the actual Sega video game music. So to me, that was one of the coolest things that was on my Instagram as well, of the Golden Dragons of Dojima walking to the ring. And the best part is a lot of people like, oh, it's just an evolution ripoff. It's like first evolution was, you know... 17 years ago second of all like no one can wear suits and, and walk towards the the, the camera and by the way it's not an evolution ripoff it's a it's a reservoir dogs ripoff even with like the slow motion thing and we ended up just so you guys know film that about i'd say 45 minutes before it aired which is how it works sometimes when you're doing live tv and trying to put together all these matches and put together a street fight is pretty crazy too because it's not just a normal match, and there's eight guys, and there's props you got to use, and we got to fight around the arena. So there's a lot of kind of focusing and planning you have to do with the producers and the directors to make sure that everything gets shot. Because we wanted something completely wacky, and we got that. I mean, uh, Digital Trends said, you have to see this chaotic, like a dragon-themed wrestling match. And I mean, that's exactly kind of what it, it was. It was chaotic, and it was meant to be chaotic, and it was meant to be fun. Um, and, and that's kind of what, what the idea was for it. So, you know, like I said, mentioning that Kenny kind of took the uh, the quarterback position uh, as far as putting it together uh, because I'd never seen the video game and I think we did a great job. And that's also IGN. Like a Dragon theme Street Fighter was perfectly chaotic. They liked doing this chaotic thing. Chaotic, chaotic, chaotic. So also the name of the Brian Cage was Axel Stone from Streets of Rage. So that was a little more information there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, just getting ready for the match and like, what do you do and where do you go? And we kind of use the same principles that we used for the stadium stampede and for the anarchy in the arena match where everybody goes into their own worlds. And then there's like a, you know, there's an ending to each story. So that each guy has like, you know, if, if this is the end of your, you know, of your involvement in the match, 
then something will happen to you to take you out. You know, for example, like Fletcher and Ibushi took themselves out by doing the pile driver into the chairs, for example, or show got taken out by, you know, we wanted to, 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 to focus on shows positive and show actually did. I call him show. You know what I mean? Paul white, Paul had hurt his knee and um, had some issues where he actually, I think he has to get some of that cleaned out right now. So, the idea was to involve him showing some of his strengths. Originally, he just wanted to be in the back. And I said, well, the people in the, in the arena are going to want to see you. So he came out and beat some guys up and did a couple of sh- uh, Paul White big chops. And then he choke slammed Fletcher through a table on the floor, which was huge. Then him and Hobbs fight to the back and Hobbs ends up slamming him onto the roof of a car, which is insane. The bump that he took. And it also kind of continues to build Hobbs up as this giant killer. Um, so that all worked out great. I think I think we did a great job with kind of show's uh, presentation there, Paul White's presentation. Um, but, you know, the fight was a typical kind of classic street fight. But instead of being, you know, a, li- a ring littered with tables and chairs and barbed wire and stuff like that, it was also, like I said, the uh, street signs advertising ramen, the beer bottles, the milk crates, the bike. Um, there was a moving image of the Sotembori, which is uh, the street uh, it was projected onto the to the screen behind the ring, and the pedestrians were walking around up and down the road, which was pretty cool. So yeah, man, you know, it was just one of those things where where do you go? What do you do? And Takeshi and I decided we'll be the ones that kind of walk around the building. And originally, Takeshi was going to do an elbow drop from the top of the uh, Bud Light cooler through a table, but the commission, the Los Angeles Commission wrestling commission if that's even a thing which it is wouldn't allow a table to be broken so we came up with the idea well you can just jump off the beer cooler and i'll spray you with a fire extinguisher and hit you with the judas effect which will take you out and we didn't tell anybody we were using the fire extinguisher because if the commission won't let us use a table they might not let us use a fire extinguisher either but we did it anyway so that's kind of what we did we fought into the vip lounge and took ddt uh, uh ddts on the executive couches that came from like the millennium tower but, I mean, that stuff always works. You know, you kind of know the tropes of what really works, you know, in, in a match. And a fire stickers always does. Something we didn't know for sure was the bike. Uh, Bushi rode the bike down the ramp and, and hit the guys with the metal pipe. And people were like, oh, he hit him so softly with the pipe. I think one of the reasons for that is, is the bike is hard to control when you're going so slow. Because riding a bike on that thick padding that's around the floor of the ring, it's not easy. So I think he was doing the best he could with trying to hit guys with this pipe. And then of course, the grabs the bike and starts hitting guys with the bike, which was amazing. Uh, Cage also clotheslined Ibushi off the bike. You know, it was just all of this stuff is kind of really influenced. Like I said, by this video game. And I think the whole thing was, a, was a delight from the entrances to the ending. Um, when we were able to, uh, duct tape, uh, Hobbs to the ropes and not using gaff tape. I think when Don Callis tried to do that with Kenny earlier in the year, they used gaffer tape, which rips really easy. Fuck, amateur. I needed gaff tape. We got gaff tape and we gaffed uh, uh, Hobbs's hands to the ropes. And then one of us had the idea, wanted to put a piece of tape around his mouth too, so he can't be yakking off, which was which was great. Uh, I thought that was a, a great point too. And of course, me wearing this stupid suit the whole time, which I think cost a hundred bucks from Kohl's. Uh, you know, barely fit, but it was worth it. It was great. You know, obviously Sega sponsored to sell more video games, but if you're going to market it, it's a pretty fun way to do it. And I think Kenny's love of the Like a Dragon franchise and video games in general, you know, he's already worn dozens of cool costumes and crossover moments and all that sort of stuff that he's done. But I think uh, tonight we really nailed that and it had a really cool vibe of this real life video game, which once again, I thought that was a really great idea and I really enjoyed it. But 
and like I said, when you put together something like this, you have to, you know, you, you have to put it together properly, exciting, but you also got to keep the sponsor in mind. And I think the sponsor, in this case, Sega, would be more than uh, overjoyed about all the... I mean, we put a lot of work into it to make sure that we, we really nailed it for them and made sure that they would enjoy it. So I think fans would enjoy it as well. I know I sure did. When I was done, I was like, that was really, really cool. I really liked that. Nobody got hurt. But so much chaotic, just lunacy. And no blood. We didn't, uh, nobody had blood. I think Fletcher might have got a little bit of blood, but it was nothing crazy as usual. Once again, four and a quarter stars, uh, which I think was a little low. I would have given a little bit higher than that. But, and I did. You know, one guy's rating isn't the same as what my rating is going to be. And to me, it was two awesome matches that couldn't have been any more different. You know, and like I said, I, I think when you're doing a street fight, it's a different type of psychology that you would use when you're doing a normal wrestling match. And also, too, when you have eight guys in the ring, you really got to go by your time cues and go. There's a lot of time spent with directors and producers to make sure that the shots are there. You know, when you're backstage fighting, you're up in the concourse fighting, you know, you can't be up there the whole time because there's a bunch of stuff going on in the ring. But when there's a bunch of stuff going on in the ring, you kind of have to stagger it to make sure, okay, after there's a drop kick off the top, make sure you come back to us. And that's when we'll make sure that Takeshi can jump off the beer cooler. And then when that happens, then you can go back. So it's, it's a real give and take, and it's not easy to do. It's like filming a movie, but at a live wrestling event, you know. And when you're upstairs fighting the concourse, all the fans are around, and they want to get involved, and they're all cheering. And um, it, it really is a chaotic moment, but it's also, like I said, a lot of fun, which is the most important thing. And I believe that... Everybody uh, involved had fun, and, and I know I sure did, and I felt really good after. I know Kenny felt really good after, and I know our sponsors felt good, and I can't think of uh, a better way to, to promote a match that's based on a video game rather than the real-life video game that we had. So that was the second match in Chris Jericho's World Wild Wrestling Week, and then the, the final match, was, of course, was at F Full Gear in Los Angeles at the Forum, and that was uh, the Golden Jets Versus the Young Bucks. If the Golden Jets win, they get to be number one contenders. If the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets must disband forever. And uh, we will come back and tell you the full report when we come back right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, and then the third installment in the uh, crazy Chris Jericho's World Wild Wrestling Week was at Full Gear in Los Angeles at the Forum which was amazing. We had about 13,000 people there, which was super cool. And the match, of course, was the Golden Jets, Kenny Omega and myself, versus the Young Bucks, with the stipulation if the Young Bucks lose that Kenny and Chris get the uh, number one contenders, and if the Golden Jets lose, we break up and never team again. This was an idea, like I said, from Tony, who I think wanted to uh, keep the street fight for the Like a Dragon street fight, not do two in a row, which I agree with wholeheartedly, and do kind of one of those, uh, you know, really cool killer banger matches. 
um, which I was all for. We built it up, of course, the uh, jealousy of the Young Bucks being um, angry that Kenny was teaming with Chris Jericho and not part of the Elite, and then slowly getting more and more snotty about that. So I thought we did a pretty good build-up, considering we were also building up the street fight at the same time and building up the Takeshita match at the same time. Um, and I think we put together a pretty solid uh, short little run of, you know, when, you, when you're working with those guys, we've got history, Kenny and I got a lot of history, and the Bucks die have history, and Kenny and the Bucks obviously have history, so there's not a lot of storyline that you really need, and we put together a pretty decent one, and um, and then of course found out that we were going on after Swerve and Hangman's death match, and I was, you know, you always, anytime you have a little bit of a street fight type thing, should you put a buffer match after it, and I was like, you know what, Tony likes to structure his cards with uh, part one, part two, and part three, and part three is always match, you know, seven, eight, nine, let's say, and I don't have a problem going on after that match, somebody has to. And you could have put a nonsensical nothing match. But to me, it's like this is the way the card is structured. You want three exciting matches. And I thought if anybody could follow the, the street fight, we could. And uh, we did. It took a, a bit to get the crowd into it. But I was very happy with how we did it. And obviously, you start a little bit slower and then build your way up. And so another match that got four and a quarter stars from Dave Meltzer. And he said that uh, it was a near classic match. But it suffered because of the lack of crowd reaction at the beginning. And I was like, well, there's five star matches that he's awarded um, where there's been no crowd during the pandemic when there was nobody there. So it's kind of a little bit of a, uh, a double standard type thing. But once again, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm just saying, you know, four, four and a quarter star, sorry, three, four and a quarter star matches in one week is not bad for, uh, for Chris Jericho at this stage of the game. But I think mostly all of them should have been a little bit higher, especially this one. I really enjoyed how we were able to build this match and how we were able to, once again, I mean, Swerve and Hangman was so batshit crazy uh, you'll never see another match like that. It was probably one of the most violent, bloodiest matches of all time. I still can't get the image of, of Hangman drinking Swerve's blood. So disgusting. I don't think I would ever do that. Something out of a horror movie or something. But, um, you know, so once again, how do you follow that? Well, you follow it with a good story. And you build it to a point where, you know, Kenny Omega gets me down on the ropes. And then Nick Jackson's down on the ropes. And then he has to decide who's he going to V-trigger. He has to definitively make his choice if he's going to stick with the elite, if he's going to go with the Golden Jets, and he points at me like he's going to take me out, but it was just a, a ruse as he ends up nailing Nick Jackson in the face. I think that part of the match got one of the biggest pops of the night. It just goes to show you can drink blood to get a pop or you can just point a finger with a good story and get a pop. So once again, I think uh, we did a really good job of that. Uh, putting together the match was long and drawn out. It took a while. But with those matches, there's so much intricate things going on. And it's, I think when you work with the Young Bucks and with Kenny, it's almost one of those things where you probably have to watch the match, you know, three or four times to really get into how, how meticulous the planning is and just all the little twists and turns. And, you know, I really, once again, have, have enjoyed this past few years in AEW because I've been really kind of working outside of my box and not doing just the normal thing that you might expect me to do and just phoning it in. Like, of course, I'll never phone it in. But, you know, there's kind of a tried and true way of doing matches. And I like doing them differently, which is why I love the Takeshita match. And I love the Like a Dragon Street fight. And I love this one as well because there's so much back and forth and so many little details and drips and drabs. And it's like you're putting it together. And same with the Like a Dragon Street fight. And you're like, you got so much stuff that when you finally sit down and go through it a bunch of times, then you finally get it. They're like, oh, it's not so bad at all. I just have to remember A, B, C, and D. And, um, you know, I used to write it all down. Now I just record it 
on my phone and listen to it back once or twice. But you know, you really got to get it into your head, and that's the thing when, when you have a match with the, with the four of us with so much going on. You really want to make sure you have it locked in, and you have to have it locked in. So, um, like I said, some of the highlights to me were just working with the Young Bucks. It's been a while. They're so good at what they do. Um, and, of course, turning heel, I think, was a great idea for them. You know, the, the super kick party to the face, which is great. Once again, go to my Instagram. You'll see the, the I guess you'd say, the, the road rash on my chin from getting super kicked by Matt Jackson a few times. And then you look at the pictures, and it's like he's wearing these Kobe basketball nikes that you know they're made for running down the court they're not made for super kicking faces so of course i got a little bit of a of a road rash a little bit of a chafing there but um just adds to the intensity of the match and of course these these are kobe's thousand dollar kobe running shoes that they just threw into the crowd after when they lost and had their giant tantrum um you know so once again you know you you think could we have put this match in a different place yes do i take pride in the fact we went on after the street fight yes do I think the lack of crowd reaction hurts the match overall? I mean, it hurts the match, but I still think the match is a pretty damn good match. And, and once again, very proud of what we were able to accomplish and pull off at full gear after people had seen so much. But I like going on late. You know, I, I don't like going on. I mean, if you're not on first, I'd rather be last or second last or in that final three. And whatever happens, happens. Because if anybody can get reactions, then, then we should be able to. And, and then once again, I think we did. Just, just to know that the crowd was going nuts at the end of our match and really appreciating the finish. And once again, all the intricacies of that and, you know, switching each other's moves. And I did a couple super kicks. I haven't done super kicks in a while. I have to bust out the super kicks and do a super kick party of my own. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, doing the, the press conference after, that's always a blast with Tony and answering all the questions and kind of talking about this, this crazy week that I had uh, and the crazy year that I've had, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, kind of all the, uh, you know, the storyline now of Kenny and I going for the, for the championships, you know, and then doing the beatdown of, of Big Bill and Ricky Starks attacking me because Kenny had to leave early because he had a sick cat. So we continue on, you know, show must go on and film some stuff for the following week. And um, I'm really looking forward now to, to the Golden Jets uh, versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks. And I think it's going to be a, a great match because it's something that you wouldn't really expect, you know. And Golden Jets were something that Kenny and I had discussed years ago when we first started working in New Japan and did the Tokyo Dome show and then AEW starts and we do the other, the, I think it was All In, was the first AEW pay-per-view ever, Kenny and Jericho were the main event in Vegas. And we always had this idea, whenever you know the, the time is right, we'll get together and be a tag team. It's perfect. And of course, Golden Jets is a little bit of a homage to the Golden Lovers, which is Ibushi and Kenny, which is a very famous tag team. And of course, the Golden Jet himself, who is Bobby Hull, uh, the most famous Winnipeg Jet of all time, Kenny and I both being from Winnipeg and, you know, doing the, the uh, you know, the Golden Jets. I thought that would be great. So, you know, you trademark that and get the shirts out and start working on, you know, the different ring gear and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it, it opens up a whole new exciting thing. And that's the thing when you when you wrestle, you're a heel for a long time. And then when that starts getting stale, you turn babyface. And when that's starting getting stale, then you put together a faction. When that starts getting stale, then you break it up. And then when that starts getting stale, you become a tag team. And, you know, we've worked this storyline so well with the Don Callis family, but it's okay to step away from it for a while. Uh, we can go back to him. We will go back to it. And once again, Hobbs was built so huge by beating the hell out of Kenny and myself 
and the big show. You can't discount the, the work that Paul, Big Paul did for him, which was amazing. Um, you know, and Takeshita as well, working with Kenny and beating Kenny twice. And then, you know, he lost to me in Japan, but still there's, there's stories there. And that's what you want to really focus on uh, is the stories because that's what wrestling really is. So I, I think just being able to do these three matches through the course of the week with Takeshita in Japan, uh, the Like a Dragon Street fight in Ontario, and then the uh, Young Bucks tag match at Full Gear, three very distinct different types of matches with three very distinct different types of styles. You know, you get the Japanese style uh, and also kind of a double baby face, but Japanese style is more hard-hitting, uh, more fighting spirit, which, I mean, geez, I'd cut my teeth there, you know, and just to, to be able to do that. As a matter of fact, the very first sumo arena show I ever had was February of 1994 when I worked with Super Strong Machine. I think his name was Junji Hirata, maybe I think that was his name was. And uh, that was February of 94, my first uh, uh, Sumarina uh, Ryugoku match. And then here we are, just a few months shy of 30 years later, having a Ryugoku match, which was great. Then doing the crazy wild street fight, which I always love. You know, you fight up into the crowd, and people always love that, going nuts, walking up the stairs as you're fighting, walking through the concourse. There's people around, and you're using the garbage cans, and you're using the the poles and the, the garbage can lids. And like I put the circular kind of toilet seat garbage can lid around to catch his face and punch him. Why? Just because it's fun. It's a very Terry Funk homage thing to do there. Uh, and then, you know, um, putting that all together meticulously because there's so many things you got to worry about when you got eight guys. You can't really control the flow. If it's me and Takeshi the single, something goes wrong, I can control it. If there's eight guys, something goes wrong, hey, good luck to you, man. And then, of course, in the tag team match, which is just such a different style of match, uh, but a very AEW, very Young Bucks, Kenny Omega style. Uh, and I really loved it. I, I love working with those guys. And like I said, I would do it any day of the week, just coming up with ideas and some ideas you use and some ideas you don't. Uh, and the ones that you use get expanded upon with the guys that you're working with. It really very much is like like writing a song, you know, and then you have three collaborators and you're writing the song together. And when that song is done, when the crowd is cheering and you know you did a good job and your boss is happy and the fans are happy and the critics are happy, which is very rare, it's a really cool content feeling shall we say like i said earlier there's nothing worse than having a bad match per se but there's nothing better than having a good match and and, and a great match if, if if you feel it was a great match because no one can tell you if it was a good match or a bad match except for you you know and i've never had an issue with someone saying oh that was so great and if i don't feel that then i appreciate your opinion but whatever and other people say that was match was so bad and if I don't feel that, I appreciate your opinion, but whatever. I think deep down inside, you're the only one. I'm the only one. Chris Jericho can, can tell me if I had a good match or a bad match. And I always know, how do I feel when that match ended? And I can name matches that I've had in the past and recently that I just didn't think nailed it, you know? And there's other ones where you're like, man, I felt walking out of that ring with Takeshita. Hey, man, I felt walking out of that ring with the you know, show wasn't there because he was hurt, but the Golden Dragons of Nojima or Do Golden Jag Dragons of Dojima holding up our hands. I got the suit and tie. And it's like, that was really cool. And then, of course, Kenny and I raising our hands in the air in Los Angeles in front of 13,000 people, knowing that we just had a killer match, a near classic, uh, if you will, and knowing that there's a lot of really cool stuff to come. Um, that's kind of what wrestling's all about, and that's what makes me continue to want to do it. Uh, and continue to do it and, and, and really enjoying uh, everything about it. So once again, it was a, a really action-packed, busy week. But 
it was good to know that, that, that you know you can still pull those weeks off when the time is right. Was I sore after? Not crazy sore. Probably the worst one was the Takeshita match and taking that blue thunder bomb off the top. That one hurt. And the street fight and the, and the tag match weren't as bad. Um, but still, you know, it's like I said in the press conference, uh, there's certain athletes that defy age. And Gordy Howe, when he was 52, 53 years old, was on the Hartford Whalers in the NHL and I think was one of the top scoring leaders for the team. And maybe I'm the Gordy Howe of, of wrestling at this point, the Gordy Howe of AEW. And, and just loving it because I always said, I will continue to wrestle until I can't have the best match on any given night. I'm not saying I'm going to have it every night, but on any given night. And I think I had the best match at the uh, Ultimate Party. I think we had the best match at the um, for the Like a Dragon Street Fight. And there are people who thought we had the best match um, in in Los Angeles as well. So, and if it wasn't the best match, it definitely was the best match without ladders or blood involved. <laughs> but anyways, it was a great time and uh, always fun for me to listen to my dogs barking because they, they were excited about it as well. But always fun for me to kind of break some things down for you guys and uh, give you some of the inside scoops about what's going on uh, in AEW and in uh, my career. And um, like I said, I'm always excited to be involved and I feel great and, you know, still feel that I'm at the top of my game. So I appreciate you guys joining me on this worldwide wrestling week. And um, who knows, when will it happen again? Well, it pretty much happens every week. But as far as having three bangers, as the uh, kids would say, in one week, I'm not sure when that's going to happen again, but I'm sure it will. It was a perfect way to kick off my 53rd year. I turned 53 on November 9th, and I had my first match at 53 at Ultimate Party. Uh, And there you go. So my first three matches in my 53rd year were all four-star matches, five-star matches, and in between in my head. And that's the best I can ask for. So thank you guys for following me on this journey. Thanks for you guys for listening to Talk is Jericho. Continue to deliver as best as I can with some of the greatest guests of all time. And uh, me. Just to speak to the run, I mean, this week, three matches, but also the past year, what an amazing run you've been on. And uh, like you said, you've been operating and wrestling at as high a level as ever and uh, going with some of the best people in the world this week with uh, Takeshita and competing in the street fight and then with the Young Bucks teaming with Kenny tonight, but also throughout the year, we just had Will Ospreay in here and you yeah, had one of my favorite matches, certainly from All In and one of the best matches I think you've had this year was Will Ospreay. Yeah. That was incredible and you were going toe to toe and uh, operating at the exact same pace as some of the best people when you're in there with Will Ospreay and we've talked about some of the great luchadors like Commander Bandito mm-hmm. and still having these great matches. So. Uh, I totally agree with what you said about Chris. And if I had to pick my favorite of the three matches of the week, it has to be the Takeshita match. I think that was probably my favorite match of the year with the exception of Osprey. I'd say that the Osprey match and the Takeshita match were my favorites uh, of the year. I also really love the, uh, the first Ricky Starks match that I had, which was kicking off Dynamite January 4th, and the second Starks match that I had uh, March 5th at Revolution. Those were highlights for me, for sure. Um, I think the Roderick Strong Falls Count Anywhere in Austin on May 17th was a great one. I also really enjoyed, um, I thought the Commander match, uh, July 12th was fun. Um, I also really liked the Gates of Agony match, which was a cool one. But yeah, I'd have to say, though, that, that the, uh, the Takeshita and the Hobbs, I think the Street Fight as well, 
and the uh, the pay per view were all great, great matches that would be some of my favorites for the year in this wild world wild wrestling week that I had. So, cheers, guys, and I uh, hope to give you many more bangers to come. Oh yeah.